Hey guys, this is Drake. Thanks so much for tuning in to our City Church podcast here. It's an honor to have you. Hey, at the end of this episode, we'd love for you to take a moment, subscribe to this podcast channel if you haven't already. Also subscribe to our YouTube channel so we can continue to serve you with content that we're putting out on a weekly basis. And in addition, if we can serve you in any way or connect with you in community in any way, you can visit our website at citychurchboulder.com and we would love to connect with you there. And lastly and most importantly, I hope this content is helpful to you. It's encouraging, it's inspiring, and you leave better than you showed up. Enjoy. Hey guys, welcome to City Church Online. I'm so glad you're tuning in with us. It's awesome to have you this weekend. Hey, as you're tuning in online, whether you're on the Facebook Live platform or the Church Online platform, we want to interact with you in that community spot. And so why don't you let us know, if money wasn't an issue, are you a beach or a mountains person? Are you more sandy or more rocky? Like, if money wasn't an issue, where would you be going this weekend? If you're already there, we all hate your guts, but you can let us know anyway where you are. I guess I live in Boulder, so maybe you hate my guts, but nonetheless, want to hear from you. We'd love to interact on this community platform and, and just hear from you guys in this season. Also, really cool, if you're on Facebook, you can hit the share button and share the message and invite others to watch it with you. If you're on the online platform, you can also click the button that says invite and invite people to join you via text. Just some cool ways to engage the community around you and stay involved on the chat. Also, if you're not already following us on Facebook and Instagram, this is our handle and you can uh, uh, follow us on those platforms and stay up to date with all things that are going on. Guys, the month of July is awesome, and there's some really, really fun things happening in our community. This week, we handed out like 20 gallons of cold brew coffee to our community and tons of popsicles. We have drive-in movies coming up. We have a night of worship coming up, and so we want you to stay involved and stay tuned in. You can also find all of that on our website. And so uh, if you need anything, if you want to get connected, if you're a first-time guest with us and you want to check things out, you can text the numbers on the screen, text the word new, and we would love to follow up with you. You can also use the buttons on the platforms in order to connect with us. We would love to get connected with you and hear from you. So as we're getting into the conversation today, we've been in the series in the book of Colossians, and it's been a, a really helpful series over the summer. And this is a letter to a brand new church plant, little baby church um, in, in a new city. And so uh, as Paul is writing to them, they're, they're kind of like us. Like City Church is just over a a year old, and, and we're new, and, and, and we're growing, and things are good. And so Paul is writing like a good dad to this new little church to encourage them and to help them. And uh, I want you to think about like as a parent raising kids, when kids are little, um, they typically need uh, like a lot of instruction, like, like a lot of yes and no, black and white instruction, right? Like rather than empowering them to make all of the decisions, like you're the one picking their bedtime and you're helping them understand like, hey, this is hot and don't touch this and you can do this. And there's a lot of, of black and white do and don't instructions. But as a kid grows and as they mature, it's the parent's job to not only tell them what to do, but to teach them how to think. Right? And, and I want you to think about it. The, the byproduct, if, if, if you don't teach a kid how to think and how to determine and make good decisions on their own based on a, a preset of values and un underlying values in their life, then, then what happens is it gets them into a lot of trouble on the back end. And so in the same way, I want you to think of Paul writing to this baby church, uh, this church in Col the, called the Colossians, and, and he's teaching them how to think. And one of the values that we've been talking about is that belief determines behavior, that it's not enough to tell you what to do, but rather to empower you how to think. The goal is to teach us how to think so we can operate and walk through this life at, at, on an individual level as well as in 
community. And so one of the challenges, I don't know if you've experienced this, but I think religion tries to creep in at times and take away the thinking aspect and just say, hey, just do X, Y, and Z. Just follow these rules, do these things, adopt these viewpoints, and don't ask questions, and it'll all work out. And typically, that's when we start to get into trouble. And so today, we're going to have a conversation around Three counterfeits, if you will, uh, around Christianity. Things that they, they overpromise, they underdeliver, and they, they, they kind of miss the mark when it comes to following Jesus. They, they adopt an initial uh, uh, idea around Jesus, but then they kind of start to get off course. And so Paul is going to empower uh, th- these followers, and he's going to empower us to think for ourselves. And I just want you to know ahead of time, like, we're all probably, no matter where you are in your faith journey, if you're a follower of Jesus, if you're not a follower of Jesus, if you've been one for a long time, we, our, our hearts tend to have a proclivity in one direction. Like, we're, we're going to struggle with one of these three things as we talk about it. And, and what I think is the challenge for myself, and, and maybe, maybe you're going to find this true for you, is that uh, we, we tend to take ourselves too seriously, and we don't take God seriously enough, and it allows us to get into these categories. And so I just want to encourage you on the front end to give you some perspective. This is a conversation for self-evaluation. This is a conversation that's going to allow some of you to find some healing, to find some growth, uh, to get over some really, really hurtful things in the past, to, to turn over a new leaf, if you will. This is going to give some of you an intro uh, to step toward faith, maybe for the first time ever or for the first time in a long time. But I want you to understand that this is not a conversation to add another tool to your tool belt, a hammer, if you will, so you can hammer the people around you who you disagree with. And so rather than listening to this conversation, thinking about the people who are like this in these counterfeits, I want you to evaluate your own heart, your own mind, your own soul, and see where we can grow. Is that fair? Everybody with me? Say, okay. All right, we're on the same page. Now, I'm going to introduce to you a couple of counterfeits with uh, some aliases, if you will, just to help us understand where we're coming from. Counterfeit number one is going to be law-making Larry. Everybody say law-making Larry. If your name is Larry, I'm very sorry, but that's uh, uh, the best I could do in the conversation today. And you're going to find that law-making Larry is going to lean towards the disposition of legalism. I'm going to give you a big word, a couple big words to get your money's worth out of this conversation. And legalism is the first one, okay? So let's get into the text, and then I'll start to break it down. Paul kicks it off in verse 16 of, of chapter 2, and he says, Therefore, let no one pass judgment on you in questions of food and drink, or with regard to a festival, or a new moon, or a Sabbath. These are a shadow of the things to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. So he kicks it off and he says, therefore, if you missed last week's conversation, he's going back to, the, to, to what he had just talked about, that, hey, as a result of the, the new life that you have in Jesus, as a result of being adopted into God's family, as a result of being set free from sin, death, and the devil, as a result of Jesus being everything you need, don't let anyone pass judgment on you or don't let anyone look down on you for following Jesus. And what he's going to lean into is like, the, the arena of personal conscience and, and personal conviction. And he talks about uh, these things being like a shadow. And, and he says food and drink and festivals, and what we're going to find is this conversation is going to lean towards issues around diet and issues around days. And, and this will make more sense in a minute, but I want to spend some time on the shadow just for a second. Um, I want you to think about, um, well, just, just hear my story. Uh, we have an alley behind my house, and um, it's pretty safe for the kids out front major road, kind of dangerous, and so we let the kids play in the alley, and then go all the way down the alley, and it turns left and right, and it's still technically the alley, but um, I can't see them, and sometimes cars come down there, so we just typically let them stay in our line of sight, but every now and then, 
Um, I'll, I'll let them, my, my boys play on either side, and if the sun's out, I can typically see their shadows. And as long as I can see their shadows, then, then I know that they're there and they're okay. And every now and then I'm watching them, and if I can't see their shadow, I'll, I'll get up and I'll walk until I can see their shadow again. What I want you to understand is like, if I go, go to find my boys and I'm, I'm looking for their shadow to indicate that they're there, once I get to them, I, I'm no longer paying attention to the shadow. Does that make sense? Like once I get to Grayson, it's no longer about his shadow. I'm not talking to his shadow. I'm not caring for his shadow. I'm not encouraging his shadow. I'm not trying to avoid stepping on his shadow. His shadow was simply showing me the reality of what, uh, the substance, if you will, of what I was going after. And so what, what Paul is saying here is that when it comes to rules and regulations, uh, they're not all bad. And, and, and many of them, in fact, when, we, when, we, when it comes to following Jesus, they're good things for us. But I want you to think of like shadows coming off of Jesus. That was like the original rules and regulations. But Paul's point is like, hey guys, listen, once you meet Jesus, a lot of the shadow is not as important anymore. And Jesus would say similar things. He says, listen, rather than like focusing on all the rules, just focus on loving God and people, and it'll take care of the rest. And so it's moving past the shadow into the substance. Does that make sense? And so when it comes to religion, when it comes to spirituality, uh, what you're going to find is there's two big issues. And it's not just within Christianity. It's actually involved in every world religion that, that I've been able to pinpoint as I've thought about this uh, around diet and days, food and drink and festivals. And, new, and, and he's, he's talking about diet and days. I want you to think about uh, diet in, in the realm of religion, okay? Like you got some friends who are kosher. You got some friends who are vegan. You got some friends who are veggie only, you got some friends who are carnivores, and you got some friends who, you know, love alcohol, and some friends who don't drink alcohol, and, and, and everybody in the middle, and so we, we have lots of different viewpoints on, on how you should eat, and what you should eat, and I don't eat pork, and I eat, you know, some meat, and I only eat fish, and we, we just have all these different viewpoints. Some of them are just personal, but also in the religious realm, right, there, there, there's people that have preferences due to their religious experience, expression, and, and, and so it gets kind of complicated, and then what happens, Paul is saying, is that people kind of get judgy. Like, if I don't eat it, you shouldn't eat it. If I don't drink it, you shouldn't drink it. And the same thing goes for days. Like, uh, um, there's some really weird stuff around the Christian circles, and you've probably heard of this, some, some weird, weird stuff. Like, hey, you know, when it comes to celebrating Easter, okay, as Christians, we're going to celebrate Easter, but can we celebrate, like, the egg and the Easter bunny part? Or is that, like, too pagan of a holiday? And some people are like, oh, like, you can't celebrate Halloween. That's, that's the devil's day. Like, we don't celebrate that. And uh, I like free candy, so I'm going to be in the other category. But, you know, like, some people are like, oh, man, should you even celebrate your birthday? Or should we celebrate Christmas? Or, or at least the Santa Claus gift-giving aspect. And, and there's all these issues around what days you should or shouldn't, shouldn't celebrate and, and how to do it. And, and if you've been around any kind of religious circle, you're going to find that there's a lot of different people with a lot of different opinions, right? And odds are you got some of those in your family circle somewhere, right? And it gets really weird sometimes because sometimes it seems a little too crazy. And that's where legalism comes in. Let me give you a very simple definition of legalism. That's what Paul's talking about here. Legalism is God's laws plus my laws, okay? A legalist, Larry the legalist, Larry's going to come in, and he's going to say, hey, God, great job on all your laws. Man, you did some really, man, great work, great work on all the laws, but you missed a few. Listen, nobody's perfect, but don't worry. You got me. I'm here for you, God. And you know what? We're just going to make an amendment to the Bible. We're just going to make a, an amendment and add first and second opinions into what you've already done, but don't worry. I got it covered, and I'm going to help you out. Legalism comes in and, and is adding our rules, our laws to God's laws. And so here we have law-making Larry. Everybody say it again, law-making Larry. I'm just going to help you understand where Larry's coming from, okay? Larry, at first he struggles and stumbles with something. Like There's going to be a particular issue. Anybody else got any struggles? Can we at least identify, like, okay, that's pretty normal, like, 
just having an issue with something that he's struggling with consistently. And so then Larry makes a rule to guard himself. Is there anything wrong with that? Any, any, any problems there? No, actually, that makes a lot of sense. Like, hey, I have a drinking problem, and so then, therefore, I, I, you know what? I don't go to bars, and I don't go to parties, because every time I do, I, I get myself in trouble. Is there anything wrong with someone making a rule like that? Not at all. Not for themselves, no. Or you know what? You know, I, I have a problem with the internet, and I have a problem downloading things and looking at things on the internet that I shouldn't be looking at, and so therefore, I don't have internet on my, on my phone, or I don't have internet at home. Is there anything wrong with that? Anything wrong with someone taking some precautions, putting up some guardrails, knowing what they struggle with, and then doing something to protect themselves? Anything wrong with that? Not at all. But here's where legalism starts to creep in. Here's where lawmaking Larry starts to, to get into trouble, is he starts to demand that others adopt his rules. And so instead of drinking is bad for me, drinking is bad. You see the difference? Drinking is bad for me. No, 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 no. Now alcohol is just wrong. No one's allowed to drink ever. It's bad for everybody. Or you know what? Internet is bad. Wait, wait, hold on, Larry. Are you, this is the wrong one. No, 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 no. Internet is bad. Unplug it. We're not doing it. No internet in the home. No, internet is just, not, you don't love Jesus if you use the internet. You see, you see how crazy this gets? And it only takes a split second to go from my personal preferences to prejudice. And so what happens is then he begins to judge, Larry begins to judge those who don't adopt and participate in his rules. And so this is how it works. I want you to understand there's a level of empathy here. Someone starts out with a real struggle. And so they put some guardrails in place to protect themselves. But then they overstep their bounds and they begin to impose their laws, their rules on others, and then they judge them when they don't follow. Does this make sense? This is what legalism looks like in the church. Odds are many of you have been around, seen, or read a news article that, that was really focusing on the expression of Christianity through the lens of legalism. And the problem is Jesus doesn't look like this. And so here's what I want you to understand. Larry's intent is good. He was hurt, and he wanted to help others, right? He, he realized that this thing hurt him, and these guardrails were going to help him, and so maybe they would help other people from getting hurt as well. It was good intentions, but they were carried out in the wrong manner. And so what happens is we make rules and laws to protect people, but, but the byproduct is we take away joy and freedom in the process. And so let me give you just an example. My friend Sarah and Patty, they're, they're building a fence right now around their new home. They bought a new home. It's on a major like highway, and it's really busy and awesome backyard, and they just had a normal fence, and their concern was, you know, their daughter's playing in the back, and they have family and friends hanging out in the back, and so um, it's, it's probably not uncommon for, you know, an accident to happen and a car to come barreling through someone's backyard, and so then they rebuilt the fence. And when, when they rebuilt build a fence, guys, they did it right, okay? Like, it is a fence. And so if the apocalypse happens, that's where we're going to hang out. Um, but they awesome fence, lots of cinder blocks. And, and the goal is if a car were to violate the, the zone that it's supposed to be in, that their house and their daughter is protected. In the same way, God is a good dad who loves his kids. And he set up some parameters. He set up a fence. He, God's laws and rules, if you will, are out of the father heart of God. They're good. He says, hey, listen, these things can hurt you. These things aren't good for you. Or these things could hurt other people. And so the parameters that God has for us are not meant to be constricting, but rather life-giving. And, and, and what happens is legalism creeps in and says, hey, God, thanks so much for the fence. We love our backyard. It's so good. You know what? And we're, we are kind of scared of the cars, and so we're grateful that we have that fence. But you know what? I was thinking the other day, like, what if a snake could crawl under my fence? 
Like, you know what, I'm glad we're you know, protected from cars, but like, what about poisonous snakes? Like, that's kind of, or you know what, we got mountain lions. What if a mountain lion jumps over the fence? Like, so this fence is great, but like, maybe we should do another fence, like a, you know, a mountain lion barricaded fence and an anti-snake fence. And all of a sudden, legalism creeps in and we're going to build another fence and another fence and another fence and another rule and another rule and another rule. And all of a sudden, your backyard is no longer a backyard, but it's a prison cell. Does this make sense? That's how legalism operates. Good intentions that then choke out and, and become unlife-giving. And typically two things happen. And, and I might be speaking to you and you might be in the middle of this experience or have grown up in it. Or maybe you watched it and it's why you stayed away. But people either end up joyless or they end up rebellious as a result of, of extreme legalism. And so think about it. You ever met somebody who says they're a follower of Jesus and they look absolutely miserable? You know what I'm talking about? You're like, oh my goodness, dude. If you're happy, tell your face. Right? Like, what is going on? Like, whatever you have, I don't want it. Right? If Jesus makes your life like that, I'm out. The other side is rebellion. You're like, man, I am so tired of being stuck in this home, in this legalistic environment with all these fences. I'm going to jump every fence. I'm going to break every law. And this is where you see kids who grow up in really legalistic homes grow out and they just break every commandment and law they can. Why? Because they're making up for lost time. Right? Like, God, I got to get away from this incredibly restricting environment. So let me give you a few thoughts on this one, and then we'll go on to uh, counterfeit number two. But when it comes to legalism, let me just make it really, really simple, okay? God's laws are for everyone. Your rules are just for you. They're not for me. They're not for us. The same applies to me. Does this make sense? Your conscience is not my conscience. And so one of the goals is that I don't make my, my preferences become a prejudice. And so, so what we need to do is we need to be able to distinguish between principles and methods. And one of the things religious people do that, that is really, really frustrating is they, they try to like tack a Bible verse onto every preference that they have. And so that way when you disagree with them, they can just call you unbiblical. Well, you're just, you know, unbiblical against the Bible. The problem is what they're not doing and what they're not showing you is that the Bible has a lot of close-handed principles and open-handed methods. This is really, really important. Hear me out. The Bible gives you a lot of close-handed principles and open-handed methods. For example, should you worship? Yeah. But, but what does it look like? What kind of style? What key should you sing in? What song should you sing? What color should the walls be? Should it be in a church or can it be in a living room? Open-handed. You see the difference? Should you be a part of a church? Yes. What kind of church? <laughs> Open-handed. Should you spend time with Jesus? Yes. What does that need to look like? Open-handed. Should you be a good citizen and pray for your civil leaders and be involved in the world around you? Yes. Who should you vote for? Open-handed. You see the difference? Should you love your neighbor? Yes. Cookies or, or, or you know, flowers. It's open-handed. Just go love them, right? The expression is different. Should you educate your kids? Yes. Homeschool, public school, private school, charter school. One of them, something, yes, it's open-handed. Should you wear clothes? Yes. What kind of clothes? I don't care. Just clothes, okay? Just do that for everybody else around you. It's not that complicated. So it's a really big difference that we understand there's principles and methods, and they're not the same. And so this is the same for us. We, we, we have good intentions to help others, but, but if we're not careful, we impose them and become restricting and lifeless. 
And so let me just give you an example so that you feel better about yourself because this might be hard on you. Um, I, I have personal conscience issues just like you do, okay? And so I, I'm not going to make my conscience uh, uh, something that you need to follow. Um, so, for example, when I first gave my life to Jesus, um, it was a pretty, pretty big life shift in every way. And so I, started, I was introduced to Christian music for the first time, and I started to realize some of the negative impact, like the music and the, the media that I was consuming, the things that I was watching, they were just having a negative impact on my life and my mind and my heart. And so then I started to get away from the negative influences and just give my attention to like Christian music and things that were good for my soul and my mind. And, and that was good for Drake. And then somewhere in the middle of, of these things being good for me, these guardrails, I thought, you know what? If they're good for me, that they're good for everybody else. And so then all of a sudden, I became judgmental and imposing, saying, everybody should only listen to the music that I listen to, and it, you shouldn't watch the things that I don't watch. And, and I, became impos- I became a media bully, guys. And then Jesus showed me that that wasn't right. And there's a difference between my conscience and God's laws and rules. And so he- here's the encouragement. As a follower of Jesus, you can live according to God's rules and your conscience, and I'll live according to God's rules in my conscience. We're not discrediting or rejecting God's rules. We're also not elevating our conscience to the level of rules for other people. He's a good dad who loves us, and we can follow him. And then what I need to do individually for Drake and what you need to do individually for you can be different in different seasons. This is fair? Is this okay? All right, next one, counterfeit number two, Harry the Hippie. Everybody say, Harry the Hippie. This is going to be a bolder favorite, okay? Harry the Hippie. And um, let's go to the text, verse 18. Paul goes on, he says, let no one disqualify you, insisting on asceticism and worship of angels, going on in detail about visions, puffed up without reason by a sensuous mind, and not holding fast to the head, for whom the whole body, nourished and knit together through its joints and ligaments, grows with a growth that is from God. So Harry the hippie is going to struggle with mysticism, okay? Let me give you a very simple definition of mysticism, and that is spirituality being married with sensuality, okay? This, and, and Paul says, hey, don't let anyone disqualify you or look down on you. And so in an age of spirituality, in this new age movement, and, and this new spirituality conversation, there can be like this conversation around, well, if you're a Jesus follower, you're kind of like still primitive, right? Like that was a long time ago. Like there's new levels of consciousness. There's new planes of spirituality. And so mysticism says, I get closer to God through my spiritual experiences, and so, uh, you know, Larry over here with his legalism, it's about I'm closer to God when I follow all the rules. Well, well Harry the hippie is going to be looking for every experience. I need more and more experiences. I need something supernatural, something paranormal. And so let me give you a couple of things from Harry the hippie when it comes to his thinking and see if you line up or agree. The first one is this, that Harry the hippie, he wants to be close to God. Is that a bad thing? No, of course not. That's not a bad thing. All of these things start out with the right desire, and then they evolve into something different. He goes on, and he creates a spiritual experience ladder that doesn't lead to Jesus. Okay, so, so all of a sudden, it's, it's, there's more spiritual, spiritual experiences, and, and our ladder's on the wrong wall, okay? And then he goes on and begins, begins to recruit other people to climb his ladder, and eventually it goes into this category of, of demonic forces being happy to keep him spiritually distracted. This is important. You need to understand that, that when it comes to spirituality, there's Jesus, and then there's the rest of the spiritual realm, and not everything is neutral. It's not just like general good vibes spirituality, right? There's, there's forces of good and evil. And so Paul's warning here is, hey, don't let people look down on you and make you feel bad like, like you're inferior for following Jesus. Jesus is absolutely enough. But what you need to understand is that if Satan and his demons can, can keep you spiritually engaged, 
while simultaneously keeping you from Jesus, they're absolutely willing to do that. They're willing to give you a vision or, 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 or an angel or, or some kind of miraculous moment in order to keep you from Jesus. And so one of the challenges of this conversation is that spirituality uh, tends to take on an evolutionary conversation, that there are new planes of consciousness and there's more and more uh, opportunities to grow in my spiritual experience. And so, again, if, if I follow Jesus, my, my thinking is primitive and I'm stuck uh, down on a lower plane of consciousness. And, and, and the challenge is there's a whole culture of spirituality that is disconnected from Jesus. And that's where we get into trouble. Now, for the record, this is not just a cultural issue. This happens inside the church. And I haven't seen it happen inside of City Church, which I'm grateful for as a newer church. And so this is probably a warning for us rather than something that needs to change right now. But you might have grown in, in or around this or maybe even have a pro proclivity towards this. And that is that we look at God's family and we look at the followers of Jesus as like different teams. Like there's a varsity and a JV version of a Christian. And the challenge is, okay, like if you... You know, if you're able to do X, Y, and Z, then you, you make the varsity team. So, hey, are you, are you tithing, and are you speaking in tongues, and do you fast, and have you been baptized, and do you have the right Bible translation, and have you ever gone on a mission trip, and are you listening to the right forms of music and worship, and, and, and what are the expressions that you have at your church on Sundays? Like, there, there's like a, a varsity version of Christianity, and then a JV team. And I, I just need you to understand, hear me on this, on Team Jesus, there is no JV. There's no JV. Right, a, a, good, a good set of parents, when there's a family loving and serving their kids, uh, uh, parents should never play favorites. Are you with me? In the same way, God does not play favorites. There is no JV on team Jesus. So what I need you to understand is that we don't climb a spiritual ladder to God. There aren't new rungs of spiritual experience to get to Jesus, but rather, listen, this is amazing. This is why Christianity is so unique, is that God came down the ladder as Jesus. We don't have to go up rungs of the ladder to have a higher spiritual experience, but the greatest spiritual experience that we can ever have access to or would ever need is that Jesus came down to us, and he didn't just come down to us as a man, but he came down to us fully God and fully man, and with him, he brought supernatural experiences and the power of God. With him, he brought the kingdom of God. With him, he brought healing and miracles. And so everything is connected to Jesus. That's why in the verse, Paul said that anything that's disconnected from the head is a counterfeit, the head being Jesus. And he goes on, and I, I just need you to understand that there's a spiritual realm here that says Satan and demons don't care if you're spiritual as long as you don't get to Jesus. Hear me again, friends. There's a whole realm of spirituality where Satan and demons don't care if you're spiritual as long as you don't get to Jesus. But here's the beauty of what Jesus came to do for us, is that we don't have to seek signs and wonders and miracles and new spiritual experiences, but as we're walking with Jesus, if you put your faith in Jesus and you have a relationship with Jesus, as you're walking with Jesus and loving Jesus and growing with Jesus and following Jesus, what you're gonna find is that signs and wonders and miracles follow Jesus you as you follow Jesus. So there's a big difference, guys. There's a big difference between following and chasing those things and those things following you as a result of your relationship with Jesus. Does this make sense? So the experiential thing, man, we have a feeling culture and, and it's, a, it's a big trap that we can get stuck in. And so the third thing I want to give you is counterfeit number three. That is uh, going to be minimalist Martha. Everybody say minimalist Martha. Minimalist Martha, okay, um, and, and this is going to be in the form of asceticism, and we'll look at the verse, and I'll, and I'll define it for you, but verse 20, Paul goes on, and as he's wrapping up the passage, he says, if, if with Christ, 
You died to the elemental spirits of the world. Why, as if you were still alive in the world, do you submit to regulations? Do not handle, do not taste, do not touch, all these rules, referring to the things that all perish as they are used according to human precepts and teachings. Pause right there for just a second. What he's saying is, hey, if you're, if you're a Christian, if you're with Christ, and, and it, you died to general spirituality, meaning when Jesus made you new, that, that you, you moved away from everything spiritual that was disconnected from Jesus, and now you're connected to the one true source of spirituality. He says, it, man, if you're a follower of Jesus, then, then why do you get stuck in some of the religious tradition and religious rules? He's warning us against it, and he's helping us understand that there's like human rules that creep in, and, and they look good, and, and, they, and they sound good, like, oh, you know what? Maybe that would be helpful if I didn't watch that or listen to that or touch that or drink that, and they look good on the outside, but they're over-promising and under-delivering. And I want you to think about this. It's easier to follow rules than to develop a relationship. This is why religion is easy to fall into. It's way easier to follow rules than to develop a relationship. So if you can just give me steps one, two, and three, if I just go to church and like Hit a few checkbox, we're good. But Jesus doesn't want to just hand us a manual and walk away and say good luck. Jesus wants to walk with us relationally through this life. In the same way that I don't just hand my kids a, a manual for life and say good luck, boys, see you when I'm 50, right? Like, it, it's, it's, I'm going to walk with them and develop them and, and, and enjoy the relationship along the way as they grow. He goes on and he says that these things, they're, they're self-made. Let's go to verse 23. He says, these have indeed an appearance of wisdom in promoting self-made religion and asceticism. There's the word we're going to camp on in a minute. And severity to the body. But they are of no value. You ever tried something that didn't work? You ever had a spiritual effort or practice that didn't deliver? In stopping the indulgence of the flesh. He's saying that there's these man-made efforts that don't deliver. Have you ever noticed that some of the most uh, heavy, rule-driven environments also have the most problems? You ever notice that some of the craziest media headlines come out of the most strict, legalistic, fundamental areas? Because typically more rules equals more problems. Why? Because unless our nature changes, unless my heart changes, I don't have a desire to change my behavior. And so asceticism, let me give you a definition of that as he uses it. Asceticism is going to say that, that spirituality is by subtraction, that I'm going to starve my body, I'm going to feed my soul, that, that I'm more spiritual the, the less I have, the more I give up, the more I sacrifice. And so the, the challenge here, again, there's always a good start, is that my body has some appetites that get me into trouble. Anybody ever have any problems with food? Anybody? Some of you are like, huh, wait, sorry, I was in the middle of snacking. I didn't hear what you said, right? Like, it, food can be a challenge, can it not, for some of our bodies, or sex, or drugs, or alcohol? Our bodies can have appetites that tend to get us in trouble, yeah? And so it's not a bad thing to pay attention to, but watch what happens with mental Miss Martha here. At first, she has an experience, um, and, and or witnesses something in the category of overindulgence. She either does it herself or watches somebody. This is where you would see somebody, maybe your dad was an alcoholic, and you watch it destroy your life and your family, and and, and maybe uh, uh, your parents' marriage or whatever. Or this is where you see someone uh, incredibly unhealthy, don't take care of their body, and they overeat, and they do everything in excess, and they die early from a heart attack or you know, whatever. We, we see this overindulgence uh, um, of activity. And then what happens is that Martha decides that the body is dangerous and that pleasure is evil. Because of the consequences of overindulgence, she decides that the body is dangerous and pleasure is evil. 
Number three, she determines that, that bodily subtraction is, is equal with spiritual addition. That the less I drink, the less I eat, the less I own, the more holier I am. Does that make sense? And then lastly, she seeks to atone for herself through her own suffering. Meaning, the more I suffer, the more I can pay God back. The less I have, the more I give up, the, the, the closer I am to God. But guys, I need you to understand that Jesus already suffered to pay God back, so you don't have to. That's the beauty of following Jesus. And so, here's what I need you to understand about minimalist Martha here, is that you can't get any closer to God than Jesus. And if you're a follower of Jesus, you're as close to Jesus as you can be because Jesus is already close to you, right? Again, we talked about it. He's the one that came down the ladder. My point is there's no, there's no amount of sacrifice on your end that's going to get you closer to God. Jesus made the ultimate sacrifice to get you as close to God as you're ever going to be. And so there's a whole poverty theology that comes out of this, that the only way that I'm going to grow, the only way that I'm going to be closer to God is through hardship and suffering. And I need you to understand that's false. God can use everything. He uses the mountaintops and the valleys. He uses the good and the bad to grow us and bring us close to him. And so you don't have to feel bad. Listen, there's this whole idea that like you need to feel bad for having a nice meal or owning a nice car or living in a nice house. Like You don't have to feel bad for, for, for living a, a, a decent life, but rather... There's this tension, like suffering in and of itself is not a bad thing, but we're also not going to go out seeking to increase our suffering, thinking that it's going to make us closer to God. Does this make sense to you? This is where guilt and shame drive our actions. So here's my question for you. Which one are you? Which one are you? Which one do you struggle with? Or which one have you run from and run into another category? Are you a Larry, you know, rules for everything, legalistic, like we need rules and rules and fences and fences. We're going to protect everybody and make sure no one makes mistakes and no one gets in trouble. And, and, or are you more like Harry the Hippie? You're like, nah, man, like, like how do you feel about it, bro? Like, like let's just evaluate from the outside like, like how we feel about this before we make a decision. Or are you more like Martha? You're like, I don't know. I don't know. We might have too much fun. Like Drake is already smiling too much. And then, you know, before long, whatever we're doing, it's going to become a habit. And then, you know what happens? It's going to become an addiction and we're all just going to fall apart, right? Like which one do you fall into? Let me give you a couple of things. And uh, I'm going to put the action steps on the screen. Daniel's going to come play for us. And I just want you to reflect for, you for a few moments. Let me give you the good news. Before I give you the action steps, let me give you the good news. Jesus came in a what? If you say spaceship, you're on the wrong category. He came in a body, okay? Jesus came in a body. I'm just seeing if you're paying attention. He lived a perfect life without sin like you and I can't. And here's what's amazing about this conversation. He brings us not just to spiritual experience, but he brings us the Holy Spirit which means that my whole life is connected to spiritual experience with God. And that through a relationship with Jesus and through the power of the Holy Spirit in me, I can decide what I should do with my body. I can decide what I should do with its passions and desires. I can pay attention to God's rules and I can pay attention to the Holy Spirit operating in my conscience. That there's a now a new balance of God's rules in my conscience working together for my good and the good of others and the glory of God. And there's two versions in this conversation I need you to evaluate. And the first one is, is that we live our lives with me at the center. That means I'm going to live my life with my rules at the center, that those are going to make me close to God. Or my experiences, I'm going to keep chasing experiences to make me close to God. Or it's my suffering and what I give up and, and how I'm diminished in order to be close to God. It's those things that make me godly. Or, and here's what I would like to propose to you, instead of adopting a counterfeit, 
Let Jesus be at the center. Guys, hear me. This is amazing. Jesus obeyed all of God's laws, and then he died so I could be forgiven for breaking God's laws. That my spiritual experiences are connected in relationship with him. That when I walk with Jesus, I have the capacity through the power of the Spirit and my conscience to know what's good and bad for me. And I can walk according to my conscience, and I can walk according to the power of the Spirit, and I can have wise counsel around me without imposing, imposing my rules, my preferences on anyone else. Guys, this is what we're about at City Church. Jesus at the center because he's enough. And so what that means is we're committed to following Jesus, and we're committed to upholding principles while also recognizing that, that the methods can change. There are some close-handed principles we'll die on, but man, we're not married to the methods. We're committed to evaluating our prejudices so we can grow in our love of God and people. And lastly, guys, don't miss this. We are committed to honoring one another. That just because you have a struggle that's different than mine doesn't mean I don't look down on you. I don't make fun of you. I don't hate on you. But we're committed to loving and serving and honoring one another as we grow in our love of God and people. And so what are your next steps? Number one, identify your area of greatest struggle. What is it for you out of the three? And I'm going I'm to ask you to do something that's going to take some guts. But would you share it with someone? Are you more like Larry, Harry, or Martha? And then I want you to write down areas of personal conscience versus biblical principles. Where are the lines getting blurry? What are the things that God has told you to do that you're not doing based on your personal conscience? What are the things that you've been imposing on others that maybe you should take a step back and evaluate as just something of personal conscience? What are the things you know God wants you to do? Because he loves you and he's a good dad who wants to take care of his kids and bring others into the family. And the last thing, I want to invite you to invite Jesus to be the center. Invite Jesus to be the center. And if you're like me, I try to push Jesus out of the center all the time. And it's not good for me, and it's not good for others. And he loves me enough to keep showing up. And let me encourage you with this. If there's never been a moment in your life where you reached out, you prayed through your head and your heart. There's been a moment where you said, Jesus, I want you to be the center of my life. I believe in you. I believe you died for me. I believe you rose again. I believe you're God. I believe you can forgive me, and I want to follow you. If you've never had a moment in your life where you have prayed a prayer, asking Jesus to save you and set you free and to give you a new life, then, man, today, guys, listen, today you can pray that prayer and have completely new life in Jesus. And he can be the center for the first time today. And if that's you, you can text the word new or you can text the word follow to the number on the screen. We would love to help you take some next steps in your relationship with Jesus. Guys, if you're a follower of Jesus... And you let other things creep in the way. You got other things that are keeping Jesus from the center. Your God time has gone out the window over this pandemic in the summer. Your community time is disconnected. 
man, bring Jesus back to the center, and he's going to elevate the things that are good for you and good for others. Let me pray for you. God, thank you so much. Thank you for your love for us, that you, you build good fences in our lives to protect us because you, you, you love us and care about us. At the same time, you, you, don't, you don't put us in a prison block. You don't, you don't block us in and squeeze out all the liberty and freedom in front. You, you, you give us freedom and life and passion and purpose. And we're so grateful that we get to follow you. And I pray for any of my friends on the other side of this conversation that have never said yes to you. They've never made you the center of their life. They've never said, Jesus, I need you to save me and set me free. Man, would, you, would they do that today? Would you overwhelm them with your love right now? And would they be compelled to say yes to you for the first time? And for those of us that are followers of Jesus, man, would you help us to be transparent? Would you put the, the, the name of someone that we need to share with our struggles just in our minds right now? And would you lead us to send them a text message right after this and, and be held accountable and ask for help and, and begin to evaluate where we need to grow in this conversation so we can be closer to you and we can better love others. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks, guys, for tuning in. We'll see you next week.